0: here she was turning totally yeah i want to say totally gangsta like uh something tina fave might say but i'm not going to yeah you she, didn't i'm going to pretend you didn't just say that yeah yeah she 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 turned all gangsta on the bad guy
1: this is episode 43 of movie bite podcast a weekly show where we discuss praise lament or lampoon movies tv shows and more Today is Wednesday, May eighth, two thousand thirteen. I'm your host TJ, and I'm joined by my co-host. He's not just an empty Iron Man suit, folks. It is Joe
0: Darnell. Hey TJ, hey everybody out there. Yeah, things keep the applause down. Great. You're so, not TJ, doing a
1: very good impression of Iron Man. Sorry,
0: of Tony well, Stark. I'm not. I'm not trying to. <laughs> I, I I am Iron Man.
1: Uh, well, it feels a little bit uh like we don't have enough people here since we've had guests on the show so much lately, and we had Dan Benjamin last week that was so awesome
0: it was it was and uh, you know, it, and he he's the kind of guy you feel like you can just sit back into the uh, you know the the stadium seats in the theater with and you know casually watch a movie and not worry about you know checking his cell phone while the movie's playing, and afterwards you can expect to have some awesome conversation like we had.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It it was a great fun to have him on. You should check that episode out. Uh episode 42 if you haven't listened to that yet. Uh, it was it was very fun. But you know, it did bring something to my attention that I hadn't noticed before, Joe. And mm-hmm. I want to apologize to you and to our audience if I do it unintentionally. Uh and that is that he he kind of jokingly mentioned that I don't give you a lot of time to speak your mind sometimes or something. And I don't, I don't mean to do that. I guess maybe my enthusiasm for the, uh, and I'm doing it right now, my enthusiasm for the subject matter um, just oh. overwhelms me. But I, I want to try to give you more time to talk, Joe, if that's if, oh, if okay. needed.
0: Oh, okay. You say so, man. Uh, I, did, <laughs> I, I didn't really notice uh, any sort of track record that we have like that. Though I appreciate his concern. I. I it's nice to feel needed.
1: Yeah. Well, in that in that vein, Joe, why don't you introduce us to our first topic?
0: Yes. Okay, so this was a movie I learned about just today, TJ, thanks to your awesome article at moviebite.com. So it's uh, this new movie called White House Down, and if that doesn't sound familiar, then I don't know what would, because this is trailer number two for White House Down. And it's starring people that we um, would be familiar with, like Channing Tatum and Jamie Foxx. Now, this movie is essentially about these two guys that wind up trying to save America when Washington DC is obviously attacked by some form of terrorists and they're taking out the U S Capitol, the air force one, the white house and all kinds of calamity are occurring all at the same time. And if this, If this scenario doesn't sound familiar to you, then it's probably because you missed Gerard Butler's movie that came out like about a month ago or so called Olympus Has Fallen starring also Morgan Freeman. And that movie and this one have so much in common, TJ. It's it's amazing how much these guy these two films have in common. Did you notice that?
1: Oh, oh, absolutely. I did notice it. Like they're in the same genre, talking even about the same similar things. Now it's a little different because the White House, like it, according to the trailer, at least I'm I'm, I'm looking at it right here. It yeah. looks like the thing gets completely blown up. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm Agent
0: Todd keeps making those sounds. Honestly. Yeah,
1: right oh, here. God,
0: thing, go talk See, we can
1: hear that explosion this yeah. summer. Oh. Yeah, so it's definitely, cool. it has a very similar feel to Olympus Has Fallen. And I liked Olympus Has Fallen, and I don't mind too much as long as we don't get too many films that are pulling for that same feel. One or two is okay. And mm-hmm. I, so I'm I'm kind of looking forward to see what we get, you know?
0: Do you remember what studio produced Olympus Has Fallen? Mm-hmm. I can't find it on the IMDb profile.
1: Oh, interesting. No, I, I don't. I I really don't.
0: You'd think that some of these obvious Things like who was the studio it would be right there at the top of its profile, but I don't see it. Hmm. It's not even, it's not even to be found above the storyline. Anywho, I thought that, Ah, oh, right. Okay. I think it was paramount because I remember seeing the swooshing stars over top of the mountain and I think that that's only a paramount thing.
1: Oh, yeah, that is. That's definitely a paramount
0: thing. Yeah. So, for a minute there, I was wondering if these two films were even produced by the same studio, but they weren't.
1: No, this is Columbia Pictures. And, you know, it really does uh, – uh, this is trailer number two. Somehow I missed the first trailer. Like, I don't know if it didn't get around or if I just – It's not
0: been in theaters. Yeah. Uh, I, I watch every trailer every time I'm in the theater, dude. It's not there.
1: So, anyway, it, it has potential. Now, obviously, they can they can really – as as studios are want to do, they can mess up the film or whatever. But – uh you should definitely check out the trailer. I put it in the show notes, and for those of you listening live, I pasted it into the chat room. Uh, the show notes for this episode are moviebite.com slash podcast slash 43 for episode 43. Mm. So that's where you'll find the show notes, and that'll be the first item in the show notes this week is the White House Down trailer. Definitely looks like it could have some potential.
0: Yes, as in an action flick, definitely. Uh, next up, we have the story, The Last Reel to Reel. And this is kind of tragic, but NPR reported how the little theater in Yellow Springs, Ohio, is, was interviewed about how they will be shutting down for the summertime to redesign their, or I guess you could say, develop all of their theaters, their in, in, in-house theaters. What was that about? Uh, they were getting shrunk. Oh, okay. <laughs> Changing all of their theaters to project digital screen, you know, screen playback rather than reels you know film reels um and apparently this is (laughs) apparently this is supposed to be sad because uh we won't be able to watch movies anymore well not you know movies as we've ever known them before
1: okay well i have mixed feelings about this if i may interrupt you and hog the chat again joe (laughs) um okay okay I'll, i'll just shut up no, 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 no. So, so I have mixed feelings about this though, because I do, I, as a film aficionado or whatever you want to call me, like I, I like film. I like celluloid. I like the actual film. And I, unfortunately, in my movie making career, I have not so far personally handled film or shot on film. All the stuff I acquire is digital, but uh-huh. I do like, like when I, when you go to a movie theater and you watch a, an actual film projection, uh, when it's done right, it's great, but here's the problem and here's why I'm I'm kind of okay with this digital revolution. It's not often done right. What kind of people are working in the movie theaters? They're they're 16-year-olds, right? They don't there's they, their first job probably or 16, 17-year-olds and they don't they don't care about the film. They don't you know, they don't care about the projector, they don't care about getting it set up right and you know, they don't maintain the theaters probably don't maintain the projectors well. So when you get a good projection of a film, Film, actual film projection, there's nothing like it, but that doesn't happen often. And digital usually on a consistent basis looks better just because it doesn't require as much upkeep. It doesn't require you to know as much about what you need to do and set up and the projectors are easier and and all that stuff. So, yes, it's the end of an era that this little art theater is being forced to convert to digital, you know, and they're they're not going to be able to project film anymore. But that, you know, that's the way the industry is going.
0: Well, you know what this makes me think is it's like the difference between using regular salt and sea salt on French fries at Wendy's. You know, it's hard to tell that there's any real difference. You know, as long as the oil is good, the potatoes are good, and it was cook, its cooking time was good, and it was served hot, and I got it in my bag, and I was eating them while they were fresh and steamy. Then we're all good. I really can't tell the difference between the sea salt and the regular salt, though psychologically, I think that the sea salt seems better. And the only way I could tell that is if I were comparing them side by side, but then there's all these other things to consider, like what was the quality and consistency of the oil and the cooking time and the temperature. And the same thing is going on when it pertains to uh, projectors and what kind of media you're getting on the screen, because you know what, when was the last time anybody watched a movie in film at home? It's been a long time. It's been a really oh, long time. film at home? Yeah, like as in practically never. 30 I'm or like, 40 years? Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, so the thing when when is, did the VHS like, tape come out?
0: Right. And even VHS, I mean, like some people might think that that was film. Oh, no, but of course that's not. That's not what we're that's talking video. about. When we talk about 35 millimeter no, we're talking film. Yeah,
1: 35 millimeter, you know.
0: So the thing is, the majority of what we've been digesting has been digital content for a long time. And I think that people are sensitive about something that they wouldn't have even noticed the difference had they not been told
1: well and look i know the difference i know how to recognize the difference and even i sometimes don't realize until after i've seen a movie that hey that thing was shot digitally or that was projected digitally i think that it's easy to overlook and and Uh, You you know, there's a podcast specifically that I listen to where they – you know, Faith Corpy on on the Geek Friday. She tends to be a little bit of a film snob, and she – you know, I actually got this link from her on her blog. And, uh, you know, I understand where she's coming from, but at the same time, digital projection is the way of the future, the way of the future, you know, and it's getting so good Um So uh, and, as I said it, it, it's, it's problematic because film projectors typically aren't kept up very well, and you know what this is um this is another interesting thing. this makes distribution of films to the theater so much less expensive for the studios, so you know just based on that alone that this is this is going to happen, whether we like it or not,
0: yeah, and it's important that we do that very quickly because you know you want to jump to one of our other stories. see the thing is. Studios need to start, you know, saving lots of money so that they can pay their top dollar actors a whole lot more.
1: <laughs> well, we can go ahead and skip to that since that's, uh, that, that actually makes sense. We'll, we'll go ahead and jump to that. This is a, an article that I posted actually today, earlier today. Um, it, it, I, I called it Stingy Marvel and High Dollar Actors. And, and so, what, what's going on here? What are we seeing here?
0: Well, uh, this is. Tony the- Stark himself, or should I say, Robert Downey Jr. would like to have as much money in the bank as Tony Stark.
1: Yeah, or or, or more maybe, but um, for his contribution
0: to filmmaking.
1: So Nikki over at Deadline says I've learned he's already made thirty five million from the uh, actioner, which grows six hundred eighty million worldwide in its first twelve days. He should exceed his biggest payday to date—that fifty million from the Avengers, which I've heard was more like seventy to eighty million. Now that the film is all in. But it's really Avengers Two where he'll clean up big time if he wants to reprise the role. He's hinting that to some media it may be some time, it may be time to retire Tony Stark and say to other outlets that Marvel better show him more money for Avengers Two. Um, I'm not going to go on that. You, you kind of get the the gist there, and and I am going to read one a, a section a little bit later. Uh, but the Avengers cast are ready to rumble with Marvel for the Avengers sequel slated for a May 2015 release. Some received only 200,000 for Avengers and Downey got paid 50 million. On what planet is that okay? And mm. see here's the thing. Uh, I want to skip down and talk about a comment that Savvy Pirate made. Uh, why should Downey take a pay cut for the sake of the other actors? I mean, they could probably make The Avengers 2 without those $200,000 actors. They can't make it without Downey. So realistically, Downey can and should squeeze Marvel for all they're worth. Okay, yes, this is the essence of capitalism, and I'm a capitalist. I'm a conservative capitalist, and I agree with that in theory. But that doesn't mean, just because I agree that I, say, say it was me, I have the right to do that, doesn't mean that I should do that. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm, I, what I'm saying is that Downey is coming out a bit like a jerk, and maybe he doesn't care, and that's okay if he doesn't care. I care. I, I, it makes me think less of the guy.
0: I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to think about this because this is the dollar signs are so ridiculously high. It is beyond my comprehension.
1: Right. Like at some point, it doesn't matter. That's my that's my point. Just make a good movie. That's all we want from you is to make right. a
0: good movie. It's not like he wants to be the next Tony Stark and create like nuclear fusion reactors at home.
1: All right. All right but, yeah. okay, look, if you're a person and you have $50 million, you can live on that for the rest of your life and be extravagant. Right. That's what I'm saying.
0: I don't know, man. May, uh, who, what yeah what could he be thinking i mean like i i, I like to think and though i, I this is kind of we haven't talked about this before tj but this is something that's very common that the moviegoer who likes the actor up on screen likes to think that they have a lot in common that moviegoer and the character that they identified with in the movies so this is human nature. We all feel this intimacy with Robert Downey Jr. in in a manner of speaking. Like we like to think that he's our kind of guy. And the movie even made fun of this when Tony Stark is met with a guy who is one of Tony Stark's biggest fans, going so far as to even tattoo his you know his forearm. <laughs> that was great with Tony's <laughs> head, you know. And it's kind of like, you know what, that guy totally doesn't get Tony Stark. But Tony has to deal with that kind of guy anyway, and it it's it's enlightening. You know that goes on all the time. We feel like we know Robert Downey Jr., and we don't really, and we don't really know him. We know the characters he plays. So I just don't know, and and we don't even know why the you know producers are willing to give them two hundred grand in the first place. Like to me, that sounds like a lot. Was there life at stake? Was there a possibility they might die? And, and you know so they were given a you know bigger a bigger payday no you know actors their lives are not put at risk they they have that's what the stunt doubles are for and what are the stunt doubles paid they're paid piddly dink i mean come on
1: no i agree and that's that's the thing like um i i guess what i'm saying is at some point yeah, you can't make Iron Man. You can't have Iron Man without Robert Downey Jr. at this point, but at some point he's going to get too expensive for the studios. And all we want is a good film and, and 50 million. That's, that's okay. Say the, what was the budget? I think the budget was around 200 million for the Avengers. 50 million is a quarter of that, right? Come yes. on. That's crazy. That that's absolutely insane. Yeah.
0: And I would have never thought it. I would not have thought to myself watching, you know, Robert's performance in Avengers you know what? He is like the main character and you know what? He totally got paid big time and you know what? He has all the screen presence and he totally outdoes everybody else. Yeah. I didn't feel that way.
1: I actually did though. I, I felt like he was the main character in the Avengers. I get that. Really? Yeah, totally. You don't, you, you I, don't, you don't think he's the main character in the Avengers.
0: I perceive that he is very, very close to the, he might be the number two. Like he is the most, frequently sh- shot of member of the, the Avengers team, but I kind of felt like it was, um, Nick Fury's movie.
1: Well, sure. Nick Fury was a big thing, but I still think Tony was a bit bigger.
0: Um, yeah, well, well, Nick was narrating it and the movie begins with Nick and his conflict and it ends with his conflict. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that, that was my perception, but next to him, would be Tony Stark. You're I mean,
1: right. I can see what you're saying, but, but, but the, you know, I did ask, uh, or I was talking to a friend about this over the weekend uh, and he's, I asked him, have you, you going to see Iron Man three or did you see Iron Man three? I can't remember what I said. Something like that. And he said, I already did see Iron Man three. It's called the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the perception out there, at least from him. And he's not like a movie buff or anything. or not, not into movies like we are.
0: Do you think that there's a lot of people that are very skeptical about Iron Man three just because Iron Man 2 did a bad job
1: oh I no, I think that um, the people are skeptical of Iron Man Three just because in in general, the third film and trilogy suck that, that, I
0: disagree. I think it's the second film in the trilogy usually sucks. No, no, no.
1: Well, it can be. Um, but, but okay, think about this, at least from my perspective. I know you disagree. I think that with Back to the Future, your best is the first, your second best is the second, and way down in two-and-a-half star range is the third film, right? Okay, so you, <laughs> then you've got the Spider-Man trilogy, which I actually liked Spider-Man 3.0. Uh, and I pretend that the Amazing Spider Man doesn't exist, but um, I actually liked Spider Man Three, but it was not up to the same level as the first two, and especially the second one. The second one was the best of the Spider Mans, right? Mm. Of those, of of those three. You, then, then you've got um, uh, the we'll Dark to, the Dark Knight trilogy.
0: We which, should even have a discussion about this sometime too. Just we could debate this endlessly because I am thinking of a couple of trilogies in my own mind that that the tables are different. Like, um, well, I mean, Back to the Future. <laughs> That was one of them. Uh, another one would be Lord of the Rings. The Two Towers, though, it is a downer. I think it's far better oh, than no, Return no, of the no.
1: King. No, 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 no. Two Towers is the worst of The Lord of the Rings. And The Return of the King is the the best film of that series by, okay. by leaps and bounds, Joe.
0: And how about your beloved Star Trek series? Back oh, b- before there was a part four and you just had episodes one, two, and three. Well,
1: two was the best and three was uh, better than one. But but see, that doesn't count. Basically, okay, one, <laughs> two, three, and four are considered like a trilogy. And so of those, the first one is the best. The second one is the worst. The third one is better. But but of, of those three, I like them all anyway. So, th- but, but that with, doesn't really work because the th- there's like 11 films now and there's about to be 12 coming out in theaters.
0: And how about The Dark Knight?
1: Well, I was just about – to. I think I was mentioning that. You may have been engrossed in what you were saying. No, okay. um, okay. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) The the Dark Knight trilogy, uh, the first two are really good in their own ways. Like I think I would rate them equally even though I'll probably see the first one more often because it's not – it's a little more digestible. But I like both those films uh, so much. The the third one, it's okay. It's a distant second. You know what I'm saying?
0: The third, the third one, in my opinion, is it, it, it is slightly s- subpar to Batman Begins, but it's still worthy of the trilogy.
1: Oh, I'm not saying it's not worthy yeah. of the trilogy, not at all. I'm just saying in yeah. terms of which films are the best. Yeah, yeah. Well, we should we well, should move on.
0: <laughs> Yeah, to, well, this because is a we're great going to be topic. talking. We'll yeah, continue. We'll we'll pick this one up again.
1: And this is the reason, Joe. I had this down at the bottom of the show outline before we got oh, really? to Iron Man Three, was because mm-hmm. it's related to Iron Man. But you know, mm-hmm. you, you had to you had to you know push it in there in your own way.
0: Okay. Well, do you want me to talk about the next one? Sure. Men in Black Four is in de- development. Sony Pictures has quietly started development on a new chapter in the Men in Black franchise, tapping the uh, the filmmaker from the Kitchen Sink to write. Men in Black Four. So this has been reported by the Rap, not our Rap, but Jeff Snyder's TheRap.com. Yeah, how, how,
1: what are they thinking, stealing the the title of my other
0: podcast on this? It's a, it's site? offensive.
1: It's offensive. They should they, should sue.
0: We should sue. I'm sure. Definitely. Do they have a podcast? I don't know. <laughs> We need to beat their ratings.
1: Anyway, so yeah, Men in Black Four. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see what they're going to do. I like Men in Black the series as a whole. I like the Men in Black franchise. It's it's a lot of fun, right? It's not, you know, it's not like four and a half or five star material by any means, but it's it's fun comedy. So, yeah, I I'm, I'm looking forward to see what happens. I don't really have much more to say other than that. Other than that, it's in development, and that's you know, thought we would mention that.
0: Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. I I felt like I feel like the series was even tired by the point of The Men in Black 3. Oh, we talked about a, this.
1: You didn't feel that way when light, we talked about it's it. It's a
0: lighthearted movie and it was lightly entertaining, but it's not quality in- entertainment. I have no desire to return to it for many years to come.
1: Okay. I I disagree, but uh, you know, as we're wont to do. So the link to that will also be in the show notes. Oh, I forgot to paste it in the chat room. All right. Um. So the, the Man of Steel trailer music, we, you know, <laughs> we're going to beat this topic to death, but you think so? Yeah. I don't know. Cause we talked about music a little last week with Dan Benjamin. Oh, and- right.
0: Well, I mean, I think that superhero films are, are, well, what would you say? They afford a great opportunity to be very thematic with soundtracks oh
1: you bet absolutely and and see this is the thing and this is why I'm so torn about this as I mentioned when I linked up to this uh when I posted this uh, soundtrack on the website um I I, I'm so torn about this because I like Hans Zimmer I like him better than John Williams in many ways but at the same time
0: yes can can I just say listening to you you with a soundtrack like that just it brings a tear to my cheek
1: Okay. <laughs> well, good.
0: I'm getting emotional here, man. Keep keep going.
1: Okay. So this is this is the the music from the trailer, and we assume this is Hans Zimmer uh music here. And we assume this is going to be something like what we're going to hear in the film.
0: Yeah, because this is not like any piece of movie soundtrack we've heard recycled in a movie trailer before. No, no, no. And and It sounds very original.
1: Yeah, it's definitely I'm pretty sure it's the Superman music. So, you know, it's 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 interesting. I I uh I like john williams theme though for the original superman movie like i'm really missing that watching superman
0: fly around with this music just doesn't feel right to me it's not yeah it's not so much thematic as it is emotional it, it's evocative it's exactly this, this
1: this music is,
0: this is straight up on zimmer this is what he does
1: Sure. And and, and this music doesn't strike me, though. Even though it's good and I like it, it doesn't strike me as thematic. It it just doesn't have any Superman theme or feel to it. And I I, I think I'm basically alone in this camp. Like, most people I hear talking about this they like this music, and they can't wait for it. And and it, yeah, I think it's going to be okay, but I'm really going to miss, and I hate to say this because it, it kind of counters my opinion, I'm really going to miss Hans Zimmer's theme to Superman. Not, huh. not Hans Zimmer, I'm sorry, I said that I'm, I'm speaking out of turn. Uh, John oh, right. Williams.
0: Right, right. I was going to say, huh. Well, I, I guess I, I don't feel that way. I don't have an opinion about that that way because I feel like if the Batman Begins had picked up the same um, thematic Batman theme that they had established with the previous films in the 90s, though it was probably the only thing that was worth keeping for the continuation of the Batman series. You know, the original was a Tim Burton Batman film. That one had an awesome soundtrack. I agree. The music was never really bad.
1: Yeah, although I really like Hans Zimmer's new music for that. But I agree. It wasn't like the the thing.
0: I think it grows on you. Um, though, uh, though I, I can't say that I feel you know too strongly one way or the other. I'm happy that the Christopher Reeve Superman has the theme that he has, and perhaps it would even seem, you know, like uh, irreverent for them to reuse that theme for a new Superman. And, and I feel like that's one of the problems with Br- uh, Brandon Ruth when he did the Superman Returns is that he couldn't live up to the the quality. Uh, and also to the nostalgia that we appreciate with returning to Christopher Reeve as Superman.
1: Yeah, you you know I disagree with you so much.
0: Yeah, I know you do. But just hear me out. You know, like, th- there's two schools of thought here. You know, the, the majority vote is Superman Returns sucks. And there's a reason for it. We you know, we think that Brandon Ruth couldn't live up to and didn't live up to Christopher Reeve. I don't Reeves. think people have a problem with
1: Brandon Ruth. I think they typically have a problem with the direction of the film.
0: Mm, that That in large part, too. Yeah, you're right there. But I I just think that, again, it's kind of like it was was even in a sense a poor choice to maintain the original Superman theme without the quality of the original Superman franchise. So I don't know. I'm not going to hold it against them. You know, it's like going back to Batman Begins. It was a refresh. It was a reboot. Go ahead and give us a new theme. And I'm just happy that if this is the theme for Man of Steel it's not really a copy of the Batman Begins material. Because, and the reason I say this is because Hans Zimmer, like most movie composers, often plagiarizes himself. And I've heard bits and pieces of the Batman soundtracks flowing into the pirates of the caribbean soundtracks i,
1: I don't agree with and that can, i'll tell you what i just
0: snippets here and there
1: the only thing that i've heard and this isn't really his fault because i normally don't hear uh what you consider to be the repeating of himself with with han zimmer what i have heard though which is not his fault is it feels like the pirates of the caribbean the first pirates of the caribbean and then subsequently the other two films because they're based on the first one they have a bit of the feel that um gladiator had that Hans Zimmer score, but Hans Zimmer didn't score the first Pirates of the Caribbean. So that was kind of already established when he came in. Other than that, I don't hear Hans Zimmer plagiarizing himself too much.
0: Mm. Okay.
1: That's my opinion anyway. So that link will be in the show notes. Uh, So check out the music. I do like the music. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I do like the music. It just, it just feels wrong for Superman.
0: I'm going to probably buy the soundtrack no matter what.
1: Sure. I probably will too. So let's uh, let's move on one more item before we get to Iron Man, uh, three, and yeah. that is the Ender's Game trailer. Did you have a chance to watch this, Joe?
0: Yes, and it's absolutely worth it. People, you should watch this trailer. There aren't many I would recommend you see, but if you're a sci-fi fan they know or a Harrison Ford you. fan, you should see this trailer. They've learned our weaknesses the alien attack nearly destroyed us
1: yeah see people are complaining about it would didn't live up to their expectations or whatever i maybe i'm coming at this because i don't have um, any experience with ender's game i've never read the book i don't know anything about it uh but I wonder if that's be you know that's I, I'm fine. I, I think it looks great. I think it looks awesome. I'm, I'm interested to see what this is, you know. And, yeah. and people who've read yeah. the books or who are looking forward to the trailer in some way, they're complaining about how Harrison Ford looks old, and the guy, the kid looks like he can't act, and the special effects look bad. Blah blah blah. All I see is complaints about this thing. I don't get it because I think it looks great.
0: Yes, and I, I just I don't know what to think of Harrison Ford in another very prominent sci-fi character role besides you know Han Solo. It's been a long time since he's been in, you know, some form of sci-fi and I think that he's coming into his own, like he's going to rock this better than admirable uh, (laughs) admirable admiral Akbar. I mean, like (laughs) he's a major upgrade. It's a trap. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And, And, and even so, even if the, you know, the majority of the film is genuinely dependent on teenagers to sell the film, you know, as believable, you know, I don't know what to call them advanced youth military soldier people like, you know, Harrison Ford describes them in the trailer. I think the movie is going to depend a lot on the young people and I love it when a movie can excel young people in very prominent mature roles and that's what I want to see here. Sure. I want to see, I want to see the young people act mature (laughs) it's just something that we lack a lot in movies right now oh yeah definitely
1: well uh mikey fissle in the comments on this that i trailer that i posted for enders game says that for a movie that i will not miss this trailer was pretty disappointing to me i chalk it up to an expectation thing i mean i have been waiting for this movie for many many years top it off people who read the book read the book recognize the very end of the movie is in the trailer who let that happen first of all shame on you for spoiling that for me Uh, But second of all, um, Mikey, I I think maybe that they – maybe they're changing the ending. I mean uh, we'll get to this in a minute, but think of what they did with Iron Man 3 and changing some things around from the comic book that you were expecting if you were one of the comic book readers. Hmm. So they might very well be doing something like that.
0: Interesting. Yep. Okay.
1: Well, cool. Well, hey, We're up to the movie of the night. Iron Man three. Now uh, kind of leading into Iron Man three, Joe, you had quite the experience I hear with seeing this film.
0: <clears throat> yes, TJ. It was quite fabulous. Uh, it was what, uh, let's see here. It was sometime in the last five days. <laughs> I can't remember what's been going on. It's been all a blur, but I went on a date night. I guess it, that was Monday and me and the wife enjoyed a fantastic dinner. We went to this very fine establishment. I had a swordfish BLT. My wife got this latte. Oh, Back, back up, back,
1: back up, back up. What the heck is a swordfish yes.
0: BLT? Please um, explain. Okay, it's sort of like a hamburger made on toast, but the hamburger isn't burger. It's a swordfish filet, grilled. You know, it's grilled but You swordfish filet. It's delicious and <laughs> it's to die for. You know, so eat that. It could be a great last meal. I recommend it to anybody on death row. (laughs) And then after, you know, all this fine dining and some good drinks, we kicked back on the in the same seats that we had dinner and we watched Iron Man three. And this was all possible made possible by a small franchise of movie theaters called the Cine Bistro. And we have a link here. TJ, you want to share that one? Yeah, I've already
1: put it in the chat room. I'm putting it in the show notes now to the Cinebistro.
0: There's just one north of Atlanta in Buckhead. And I didn't know what to think about it because it's in a it's in a high-rent district, and that's awesome. So it feels like it's a little hoity-toity going in there. But then once you get past the entrance, which was gorgeous, tall, immaculate building and structure, very nice li- lobby. And in the lobby, they have a full-on bar we, we had some drinks before dinner and it was a very positive experience. Very, uh, very retro, very classy and uh, at the same time. And then the restrooms, I mean, like my whole house wasn't, isn't as, as pricey as just the men's restroom. I mean, like they have an insane amount of awesome paneling and custom sinks and it was just gorgeous. You feel like you're in a wonderful place that you'd only go to on your honeymoon and then you get into the theater rooms the the seats themselves are huge and they're cushy they're like uh, what do you call them lazy boys only they have good back support and then they have this dinner table that swivels over you where they give you a menu and they can you can you have like three cup holders to just to yourself and you have armrests
1: just to yourself can we can we the next time i'm in georgia can we go to this thing and watch a movie Yes, yes. Yeah. How far away is it from from where you live and stuff? Uh,
0: like an hour, but uh, it's but it's worth it. Okay, yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, and and everything on the menu is like gourmet, a, you know, a little bit more gourmet than I would like. But those sweet potato fries they were they were immense. And then we you like right there, the, it, rather than showing a bunch of junky ads. That roll for an hour before the movie starts. You know the ads you see over and over again in all the movie theaters, and you don't give a darn. You just the, these ads just, you just uh they, they're so pathetic for the ta- the local tattoo shops and car dealers and jewelry shops, and it's it's an insult to one's eyes and you know mind. Rather than that, they showed for a straight hour um length lengthy segments of. National Geographic quality, IMAX documentaries. Nice. Showing you gorgeous landscapes, you know, things under the sea, stuff, you know, up in the caves and on canyons. And then, the, you know, the, at the end of a segment, at the end of a beautiful tune, they would show, well, this whole segment came from this documentary and here is where it's available. But there wasn't any any <laughs> noisy, you know, uh, voiceover you know, come and get it now, you know, or anything annoying like that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and then it was over and the movie played. It was just, it was just a wonderful experience. Now,
1: did you watch any trailers before the movie though?
0: There were, there were trailers. Good, good.
1: Because I, frankly, I, you know, people are like, Oh, I show up for movies late because of trailers. I love trailers. So I'm glad that those are still there, but yeah, I, I definitely want to check this out the next time I'm around.
0: Yeah. So, so that just made Iron Man all the better. And if you have a cinebistro anywhere around you within an hour, then you should so do it um, for, for any good movie. And I'd most definitely recommend it that you, you see this movie with your with your significant other um, there because you'll feel really stupid if you're by yourself, actually.
1: <laughs> well, um, what, what about a friend, Joe? You're making me feel a little weird about this.
0: What about well, just a okay. friend? Okay. Oh, uh, right. Well, yes. Um, maybe we should take our wives or something. I don't okay.
1: know. Okay. I see. Well, that, that can be a thing. Mm. All right, so this is how you saw Iron Man 3, which is what we're here to talk about today. Mm-hmm. So uh, Iron Man 3 opened in theaters on May the 3rd. Uh, it had a budget of $200 million. Opening weekend in the U.S., I should say in the U.S. domestically, $174.1 million. As of right now, the total worldwide gross is $711 million because it's already opened overseas before it opened here, which is getting to be a thing. What's up with that? Anyway, crazy, crazy. Just... Uh, unfathomable yeah. like this is the, at this rate this is going to surpass avengers like in a couple of
0: weeks it's hard to understand why this is happening it's, so, well, it's so, i don't know if it's hard it's to understand so
1: it's just unfathomable that's all
0: it, it well, i mean it, it's easy to be told why it's happening but it's hard to understand what it actually means like, is this because of inflation? Is it because of new emerging markets for theaters? Yes and yes, I would Is it say. because this is being shown in more theaters than most any other movie of the year to date? You know, I have those kinds of questions.
1: Yeah. So the critical acclaim on uh, Rotten Tomatoes is with the help of its charismatic lead, some impressive action sequences, and even a few surprises. Iron Man 3 is a witty, entertaining adventure and a strong addition to the Marvel canon.
0: Hmm. I a, would agree to that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, it was directed by Shane Black, uh, written by uh, Drew Pierce uh, and Shane Black. And, of course, starring none other than Iron Man himself playing Robert Downey Jr. Oh, wait. Whoops. Reverse that. <laughs> I, did that <laughs> right. on, I did that on purpose. <laughs> right. uh, Gwyneth Paltrow as Pepper Potts. Don Cheadle as Colonel James Road. Guy Pierce as Aldrich Killian. Rebecca Hall as Maya Hansen. John Favreau as Happy Hogan. And Ben Kingsley as The Mandarin.
0: <laughs> John Favreau, he gets around.
1: Yeah, he does he's, he's both an actor and a director. He did a great job with the first Iron Man. I I'm not so happy with his job on Iron Man 2 uh, but then he's also directed a few episodes of Revolution, the TV series and I was happy with the ones he directed. He is a, a executive producer on Revolution. So um,
0: it didn't occur to me that he had directed Iron Man 2. I thought that there was another director.
1: No it was, it was John Favreau. It, it, it's oh, okay. weird isn't it because it's so different.
0: It does. It doesn't feel like the same tonal quality, and that's usually attributed to different writers or different directors. Maybe it was a different writer. Probably. Uh, it
1: probably was a different writer, because uh, as far as I know, John Favreau is not a writer. So that very well could be differences in tone. But but still, a director has so much sway over the tone of a film that I was a little. It was a little weird. But uh, here here's kind of the tone of this film.
0: I'm Tony Stark. I build neat stuff. I got a great girl and occasionally save the world. So why can't I sleep?
1: So what did you think? Like that reminds me of the voiceover that that, I think that basically is lifted from the voiceover in the film is where Tony Stark is actually narrating. He doesn't narrate throughout the entire film. So don't for those of you who hate narration, don't get up in arms. But he he did narrate at the beginning and at the end. And there was a reason and a purpose to it. But how how did you feel about that, Joe?
0: Hmm. It occurred to me fairly quickly that Tony Stark had not narrated the other two films. And it frustrates me a little bit that narrating this film feels like it's a departure and it breaks consistency for the trilogy. If I ever get these films all together at home and I'm sitting down and I'm watching, you know, part one, and then two, if I felt like it, I might just go ahead and skip it straight to three. But if I were to watch these relatively close in time, it would, it would feel almost as though, I don't know, like it didn't belong in the same franchise. I, I, and it, it, to, to me, I mean, cause like to me, a narrator is, it's like having a, a, a completely other soundtrack in addition to the, the scenes unfolding in the movie. In addition to the soundtrack and to all the sound effects, you have another layer of soundtrack, and that is the narrator.
1: I, I can't really agree with you on being frustrated that it's inconsistent with the other films. I mean, that's, that's like saying uh, Iron Man's suit is different looking in this film because it was all completely red in the first film, and now it's got a lot of gold in it. But he's building different suits, and so it's a different suit this time. That doesn't bother me. In the same way, this is a different way of telling the Iron Man 3 story than we've seen told with Iron Man 1 or 2, but that doesn't make it bad. Um, I, in fact, because of the reasons why it was done and the purpose, I I liked it a lot. I I, I didn't mind it at all. And I'm not, I, like, I don't generally like narration. Like, show me. Don't tell me. But this this wasn't in taking the place of show me, so I didn't mind it. Mm. So, we, we have differing opinions on this.
0: Well, and, and you know, think about uh, the Spider-Man series by... Sam Raimi, the first film started very strongly with a narrator and that was Peter Parker. And I thought it was most enjoyable because he's such an introvert that he seemed rather pathetic in general. And a lot of people were just disappointed that Parker could be so wussy. But I think that that has a lot to do with the nature of his shyness and how he was brought up. And then the depressive situation of seeing his uncle die yeah and it was largely his fault. So having <laughs> yeah. the narr- yeah and so having the narrator there you know re- having Parker talk made you relate to him and forgive him faster and, and root for him. And if it hadn't been for that you would have thought Parker's a jerk, you know, like at the at least ways at the halfway point. Like he hadn't redeemed himself just simply by putting on a mask.
1: Well, I, okay, so I think that in this film, tonally, the film would have been completely different if he wasn't narrating. And if you didn't yes. if you didn't realize right away, you would have thought he was such a jerk uh, otherwise. But you, that's not the point of this film. The point is he's not being a jerk anymore like he was. Like he's really growing as a character. Um, by the way, I made a note uh, here that I've got that this is, I think, probably the first uh, kind of feeling that we get of Joss Whedon's philosophy – of going deeper, as he says in Marvel Phase 2, where you don't go bigger, you go deeper. How how can you dig into the characters more? That's how you make the films as good or better than the previous films. And and that, that's such a great thing. So we're I think we're seeing that here. And and if, if Joni hadn't been narrating it first, all we would have seen is his obsession with building the Iron Man suits and his obsession with security and his obsession with protecting Pepper, which can come off a little bit... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? A little bit jerky. What other word yeah. is there? And, and so without that narration, you wouldn't have had that. I thought it was fine. I thought it was great that it was there. I, I had well, no problem Well, it made you feel
0: all. like he was actually learning from his experiences in this film when in Iron Man 2, it was harder to relate to that and, and uh, get that impression because of the circumstances, just the way it unfolded. In Iron Man 1, you have a huge turn of events in his life. In Iron Man 2, there isn't a huge turn of events in Tony Stark's life. For Iron Man 3, I think that they wanted to make that abundantly clear that Tony is on a, a journey of his maturity, and he's growing as a person, and he's trying to be there for Pepper Potts because the relationship is becoming much more serious. And he also has a sense of aimlessness about his company. He doesn't know what to do. As the super soldier, he's established that he is Iron Man. But what does that mean now after fighting aliens?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you mentioned to me before the show started that this film would not have made much sense without the Avengers. And and – yeah, I agree with that and I think that's fine because you I like that there's arcs over movies with this with this universe and that they're all tied together. And and you can't just ignore like this is one of the positive aspects of the film. You can't just ignore what came before and, you know, Tony Stark just goes about his business. No, this had a serious impact on him. The guy nearly died in space and just barely made it through the black hole or whatever the thing was that they opened up to the other side. Yeah. And and that's going have powerful moment. Yeah, gonna have a huge impact on Tony Stark as a character.
0: Yeah, because nobody else had ever experienced anything like that. Not even Luke Skywalker.
1: Yeah and and you know he had just been getting together with Pepper Potts and he couldn't you know if you remember right in the Avengers he couldn't reach her and thought he was going to you know die and never see her again and so this whole thing just completely changed his character um and we see Tony in this movie having uh panic attacks and and breakdowns and uh I I I just thought it was really well told and well pulled off and, and kudos to shane black in the way he directed that and, and kudos of course to robert downey jr despite my complaints about him earlier as far as his acting ability and his ability to play uh tony stark man there's there's nobody else for the role
0: right so so you want to go ahead and cover the story here real quick i mean we've already alluded to it you know yeah
1: yeah, yeah. okay so okay. um You know, Iron Man, he's a bit of a wreck after the events of New York. He can't sleep. He's obsessed with building better and better suits, and he doesn't know who he is without the suits. When his former head of security, Happy Hogan, is seriously injured in a bomb blast by a terrorist known as the Mandarin, he gives his home address to the media and says he's not afraid. While Tony is busy tracking down the Mandarin, the uh, said Mandarin dispatches choppers that proceed to blow up his home while he and Pepper are in it. The only suit he can get quick access to is the prototype suit that pieces itself together to fit over him. Him. He saves Pepper and escapes, but his suit was damaged and he has been knocked out. So the suit takes him on a pre-programmed flight to Tennessee, where Tony has planned to go track, or where Tony had planned to go track the Mandarin. He ha- he learns some disturbing things about a substance known as extremis, uh, or extremis being used by the Mandarin, wherein many of the test subjects die, exploding like bombs, and if they don't die, they become extremely dangerous, violent, and have superpowers. So that's that's as much of the plot as I can give without getting into spoilers.
0: All things concerned, how do you think that this villain compares to the villains of the other two Iron Man films?
1: Oh, the the, the, the strength of Iron Man has never been the villains. I've never been impressed with the villains in Iron Man. It's always been about Tony Stark. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, like, I still think that I like Obadiah Stane the best as a villain. And that's not saying a lot. Like he, he could have used some help in, in, in those in, as being the villain. But uh, sorry if I spoil Iron Man One for you. Surely you've seen it by now.
0: <laughs> Surely. <laughs> um, or if you have, you've f- just totally forgot it, and so nothing was really spoiled. Exactly.
1: So uh, I still think li- I like him the best. The, 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 my major problem with Iron Man Two was the villain. So I it, like the way I can the villain
0: understand anything that Russian terrorist said. Well, well that we, and, we, we, and he we, just. We, Oh, yes, And I was M- like, Mickey what Rourke. on earth are you saying, man?
1: Exactly. And, and and not it wasn't just that, though. Like, if that was the only thing I could put up with it. But it was just the whole plot surrounding the villain and, you know, you're pitting Iron Man against an, another guy who made an Iron Man suit. I just, uh, you know, I I, I I he's the worst villain. Like, okay, so as I would rank the villains, uh, I have to be careful how I talk about this with Iron Man 3, because so, we're not talking about spoilers yet. Um, I would say that the villainy in Iron Man 3 ranks
0: second place. I really appreciate the backstory of this villain.
1: That's true. I do. And yet it's, uh, uh, we'll get to that, but that's part it, of my dislike. I wish same that they time.
0: had exposed more of his backstory. And at the same time, I wish like, not that they had done more with him for the rest of him during the rest of the movie, during the present situation of the film, but that I wished the current situation of the film uh, that he was able to live up to his backstory be more fascinating.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the way the trailers portrayed it. I can see how that can be a slight disappointment. Yeah. Um, but definitely time,
0: better than the Iron Man 2. At the himself. same time. And
1: we'll talk a lot more about this when we call out, we're in the spoiler section. But at the same time, I really appreciated how much of a surprise some things were.
0: Did you notice how much screen time Pepper Potts gets and yet she hardly has any lines of dialogue.
1: I did, uh, and mostly I just noticed that she didn't have a lot of presence in the film, and that's, that's, a, that's a crying shame. Like I like Pepper as a character, and
0: I wanted to see more Agreed. of Agreed. It and, almost felt like it was absolutely necessary that, that she be there, and that she have something to say, but it was almost as though we were seeing the movie from Tony Stark's perspective, and how this egotistical awesome guy but this egotistical man just doesn't pay attention to what people are saying around him so it's like if he were relating this story to us and he were telling back the story to us he would forget the things that people said around him that's (laughs) true and he would forget to tell you those things and yet
1: i don't feel like that's the case with pepper anymore because pepper means everything to him now
0: exactly it's yeah it's it's that's something that i don't think that they were going for but it was something that 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 they could have done and yet they just did it would have been nice. It would have been a good excuse. Pepper had more lines, or at least, why it feels as though she had almost as many lines in the Avengers than she had in half of this film?
1: No, I wouldn't say that. I, I felt like I wish she was in Avengers more, but I know with an ensemble cast, you just can't have that many people in it, and she was expendable. And she's not a superhero. And she's not a superhero. That's right. She's a side character. Uh, I will say that uh, she probably had her biggest role in Iron Man two, so it was disappointing that she wasn't on the same, you know, in the same. Uh, Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, She wasn't thought of the same way in this film. And Mm. she didn't have as much to do in this film as she did in Iron Man 2. That's a crying shame because she's a great character. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow is a great actress. So there's uh,
0: one more thing that has a lot of presence in Iron Man 3, and that is the the Iron Man suits. There are are a lot of them. And yet
1: yet I'm the most happy with the place of the Iron Man suits as I have been with any of the Iron Man films.
0: Yes, but I have uh, two more things to note here. Um, one, well, this makes it three. One is that they are the most advanced. And that, that makes sense given that Tony Stark has like nothing else to do except work on his Iron Man suits, right? Right. right. Okay, so then the, the second thing I noticed was that although these suits are the most advanced and they can even operate all on their own with an artificial intelligence, which actually somewhat makes sense seeing as how Tony Stark has an artificial intelligence running his life named Jarvis. Seeing as how Tony can afford his own personal assistant, who is Jarvis, who will put up with him, and he's an awesome guy. I love that character in and of himself. <laughs> do too. Um, I, I I like Jarvis. He's my favorite character. Um, even 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 with that, so therefore you have all these Iron Men that can completely, you know, what do you call it? Just you know, they're like robots. They're just completely autonomous, almost. But they take directions and orders from Tony, and they don't—they don't, li- they don't ha- develop a personality on yeah, their own. Well,
1: they're all being controlled by Jarvis from the cloud server.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. The cloud server, probably not iCloud. And, oh, no. uh, <laughs> I know, I <laughs> know. And or or Google Drive. But uh, the thing is, in spite of all these advancements, did it seem uh, a little bit much when like every last suit was shredded to bits in this movie throughout the movie. You are are in so much trouble.
1: You are in so much trouble, Joe. We haven't called spoiler alert yet.
0: Would you say so? I mean, I don't know that this is actually a spoiler because we expect the Iron Man suits to be trash.
1: Well, there's only really one huge
0: reveal that we'll talk about. Um, I would have considered this a little bit of a spoiler though. Yeah. I'm just saying that Tony puts on a suit. It's almost guaranteed that he's. it is going to be obliterated within 30 seconds.
1: Yeah, well, that's Tony for you.
0: Yeah, and, and, but it's just like, wow. The, in the first film, didn't the first Iron Man suit basically last an entire movie up to the end?
1: No, I don't think so, because he had the one that he made in the cave, which obviously was a huge prototype, and that didn't that's last like, long. And, and I like think he went through or... at least two more. Did it? Huh. I, I think so. I th- yeah. I can't. Right? I I even just saw it
0: recently. I can't remember for sure. And then in Iron Man two, there were at least two suits. Oh, was like the portable suitcase more than that? Yeah, and there was War Machine, but War Machine only has had one. And then this one, he had one. Yeah, who is now Iron Patriot? Iron Patriot. Yes, that sounds very American.
1: I am speaking of Iron Patriot. I'm just a little frustrated that they changed actors. Although I do like Don Cheadle better in the role. Uh, The actor for Rhodey was not uh, the same actor in the first film. That's kind of frustrating. I hate it when that happens. But I, yeah. I I do like Don Cheadle. He is a better uh, better roadie.
0: Agreed. Except that I feel like they decided that they would give him less personality in Iron Man two and three. And although really? he has more presence, no, in, I don't agree. He has more presence in Iron Man three than he does in two. But on the whole, he's just he he's just you know he's not even he's not even second fiddle to Tony Stark and what he has to do. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, this is Tony Stark we're dealing with. So,
0: I'm glad that they didn't try to turn him into like a sidekick or anything like that. Don't don't take me wrong. I'm not trying to say that you know. Well, I mean, think about it. Think about this. If they had developed him better, I could have seen a War Machine movie. But right now, I just don't think that they're no. Is I, mean, I can still see desire it.
1: for it. I can still see it totally. Like, I, I think that also this is probably because I'm sure that Don Cheadle does not command as much money as Robert Downey Jr. And so I'm sure that this is their out for Avengers if they can't get Tony back, which is going to be a disaster if they can't. But I think it will be somewhat mitigated by Don Cheadle and Iron Patriot.
0: I just yeah, and I just don't see that they would like to dedicate a movie to a a uh, a superhero character like War Machine that doesn't have an ongoing comic book series of his own. Well, it's like he is it, a he's another superhero side character in a superhero comic book. And that is Iron Man.
1: And I think that would make that film feel a little bit like the latest GI Joe, or they killed all the original characters and brought in Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and he was the lead. <laughs> you know,
0: yeah. But <laughs> uh, Don Shield, he's yeah. He and the Rock have nothing in common.
1: No, no, no. I'm not saying. That. I'm just saying uh, that that would feel like kind of the same thing. So, hey, you <laughs> yeah, ready? See. You, you ready to talk about spoilers?
0: Uh, sure. Let's. What do you What do you want to talk about? <laughs> there we go. That's your now spoiler warning. Yes, I don't right, have the I, I don't this.
1: have the spoiler horn that they use on the incomparable. But I figured that's, that would. That's do.
0: from Star Trek, isn't it? The of course, o- it the- is. Yeah, the original series. Good choice. Yes.
1: Well, and and from the uh, the next generation too, they use the same uh, klaxon sound. Oh, did they? Yes. All huh. right. Let's talk about the major, huge, big, stinking spoiler—the elephant in the room that we've been avoiding for this whole stinking show. The the, uh, the trailers the trailers made this film feel like that the Mandarin was the big deal, right?
0: The, uh, the Mandarin was the Wow, TJ, you really want to let loose with the spoilers, don't you? I
1: warned you guys. I, I warned you.
0: This is big. This wow. Is this huge. is as big as they come. This is People, huge. You don't need a ticket anymore. How Just comes? listen to the following.
1: Well, okay, but like I, I thought this was the best kept secret in comic book movies ever. Ever, ever.
0: Didn't you? Don't you agree? Uh, I, I, I'm very conflicted about this because I like what they did with the Mandarin in this movie, but at the same time, from what I understand, it's a huge departure from what what we all call canon, which oh, yeah, is yeah. just comic books, right? Yes, it is a so, huge
1: departure, and that's what makes it so brilliant because
0: they introduce brilliant. It. But at the same time, it's like saying. Hey, why don't we make the Man of Steel brilliant by, you know, Clark doesn't actually end up with Lois Lane. He ends up with someone else. Well, to be perfectly fair, huge difference. It'd be more more like
1: making Lex Luthor a non-player, though, to be perfectly fair.
0: I don't know, because what I hear is the Mandarin was supposed to be uh, Tony Stark's arch nemesis.
1: Sure. Well, I think so, that that's seems- why I think this is brilliant. I am totally okay with them departing from comic book canon. I am so okay with this. Now, yeah. what what I am frustrated with? Okay, so the whole the whole deal is Tony tracks down the Mandarin, and it turns out the guy's an actor who the real villain has hired to c- create the the look and feel of the Mandarin. The actor didn't even know that this was a real thing. He thought it was like for some TV show or movie or something, and so all that all the stuff you see about the Mandarin in the trailer is put on. He's yes, putting it that, on as an
0: actor and was well executed.
1: Oh, and it was great. I love Ben Kingsley. And when he finds Ben Kingsley's Mandarin, <laughs> he's in this hotel room and he's coming out of the bathroom and he's got the girls there, you know, that he's, uh, let's say staying with, you know, and he's uh, all drugged up and, he, you know, he comes out of the yeah. bathroom talking about, uh, what kind of a, uh, smell there might be behind. <laughs> and it was, it was
0: awesome. One time when a potty joke actually made sense for this movie. Oh, it
1: may, it was, it was great. And, um, <laughs> Yeah, I've it,
0: never heard anyone refer to a potty joke as great before, TJ. Thank you. Well, but, but in, this, we in, have, in the way, we have our opening track now,
1: in the way this unfolded, um, in in the way it revealed who the Mandarin actually was, I thought it was great. And so, yeah, uh, and no, that is not going to be the opening uh, pre-roll because that would be a spoiler. <laughs> so anyway, um, that that was huge. But, but now I will say that even though i love that and how it, it, i was completely surprised by that and i like i like to be surprised in that way i was a little disappointed with the actual villain who was uh, aldrich uh do i am i saying that right um no i have my show outline where to go here it is um aldrich killian uh is the main villain i was a little disappointed with him uh, well like,
0: you, you've already said that but would you blame it on him or on how the character was written
1: yes and yes like ah. I didn't, I totally didn't buy the whole geek routine at the beginning of the, of the movie. I think that,
0: I even think that some people would get him confused for one of the bad guys in Iron Man 2. I had a... Uh,
1: yes, absolutely. In fact, yeah. I wondered when I saw him in the trailers whether they were replacing that guy with this actor.
0: Right. I thought the same thing. And it took me about 10 minutes to be sure, okay, that's not the same guy. Yeah. Hmm yeah I, uh, I, was, I would agree I, in large part he is the biggest disappointment yeah i, I think so. also well i'd also say some of his you know henchmen as well like his his right arm the guy that was the most prevalent other baddie who uh was bald and you seem to show up at every battle with tony it did not get killed until near the end of the last one yeah you know he he, he lived way too long he went through too much and didn't die well <laughs> it was the was a, it was the extremists and this ra- this raises another issue I had in general with the whole concept of the extremists was that although it seems like if you're going to take this idea that you can inject people with a with a uh, substance that will reengineer their DNA and give them superpowers and and give them the ability to become extremely hot to melt things and you know blow fire from their mouth like a dragon, then they are unstable, and the movie makes that clear how many people can't even handle the genetic overhaul. And that was rather impressive. And I thought it was rather clever because it made you always always wonder, like, could it be that the main villain will just explode at any moment and they'll reveal that there's another layer to this with another bigger, deeper, more significant villain, kind of like they did with Iron Man 1. It wasn't abundantly clear that the villain was going to be Tony Stark's father's best friend until the last minute in that movie. And that was a great reveal. That was a great twist. Yeah, and, no, I agree. And this is and, on that same level, right? Uh, well, for a different reason, that's the other spoiler. I don't even know if I want to talk about it, but if you want to bring it up, go ahead. Well, um, I'm not sure what it is. Well, what happens to pepper? Oh yeah, I definitely want to talk about that. We, we've <sighs> called spoilers, man. So well, this is, before, this is where before, I, before, before you, before we delve into that, I just want to say one other thing. The, you watch this movie for one thing Tony Stark. Exactly. You watch this movie for Robert Downey Jr. Absolutely. The, and there's no reason why you can criticize his performance. And this is the best performance he has delivered. Now, grant you, in hmm. yeah, the Avengers, he had better lines. I like, and, I was going to say, I think his best performance is still the Avengers. And in uh, the, the Iron Man, the first film, I felt like he was very convincing while he was developing and going through the conflict of becoming the man he needed to be and maturing in a way where he could, he could actually live up to his father and uh, make him proud. In this film, I just thought he really brought it home. Because in our in the Avengers he's he's somewhat superficial. the majority of the time they're stressing how different he is from the rest of the Avengers that seem to uh, d- seem to take everything much more seriously than Tony does and even though Tony is taking everything seriously he's he's putting up a facade about everything until oh, yeah. the last minute when he falls from space, and then he has no more facade left, but then unfortunately, that's when the movie ended. And so you don't get to appreciate Tony, uh, Tony um, exposed. And that's what this movie is. The guy who, who has no other way to hide the real Tony anymore. He, he's totally exposed. His, his nerves are just out there and everything irritates them. And I thought that was just rather moving. Like it's not very often you get to see that kind of emotional development over an arching trilogy with a main protagonist. That's probably one thing that's very striking about Iron Man is that with each movie, you actually became more and more interested in the main protagonist. And that doesn't often happen. It doesn't often happen with superhero films and with other films. Think about, you know, Bruce Wayne in the Dark Knight series. The first film. Bruce Wayne was very impressive and you appreciated what they were doing for the franchise and developing him in new ways with The Dark Knight Batman played second fiddle to Joker Joker was all that it was about then you know well Two-Face got some time and even uh, Commissioner Gordon got some time in but Bruce Wayne was practically non-existent when we get back to Bruce Wayne for the, uh, The Dark Knight Rises though he has a lot more presence his material isn't as moving because, you know, Bruce Wayne isn't represented as an an especially fascinating individual. We appreciate the idea of who Batman is and his his psychological torments better in Batman Begins. Which film are we reviewing? I, I, and we're <laughs> compa- we're contrasting this. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, when we get back to Tony Stark, it's like, wow, this is. This is fascinating. I mean, I'm even going to get, I mean like one of these days, DJ, I'm going to be teaching my kids lessons when they're teenagers from these movies. Like, don't be like Tony here and over here. Be like Tony there, you know, because I mean, this is really cool. It's not very often we get to see a, a man become a man fully fledged like this in a superhero flick for what it's worth. I, I was impressed that's why you watch this movie
1: yeah well i definitely watched the film uh for the uh, I, I said this in my review that that tony started at a very uh, a place where there was let's say a lot of room to grow and that actually makes for really great filmmaking because there's so much they can do with his character aside from the fact that you know robert downey jr he is iron man but 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 besides that aspect where you watch it because robert downey jr is iron man you watch it as you're saying because of his character development and who he's becoming. It, it's an arc, and you follow it, and and you you know it's great.
0: It's great stuff. Mm. Now you go ahead and divulge the other spoiler.
1: Okay. Well, the other spoiler is that Pepper Potts. You think she dies, and then she doesn't. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I I seriously I thought, oh wow. Well, I, cause my first thought was uh, so much. Okay, wow. Okay, so much was going through my mind at the scene when she fell into the fire. And I knew she had been giving; they had been giving her the extremist stuff. But as far as we knew, it hadn't taken hold yet. And and so you um did, did she can't just she can't have died because she has the extremist thing yet, and so she she has the whole heat thing going. But but no, it hadn't taken yet. Oh, and and then you know it's something they might do because like she, even though you love her as a character, she's not necessarily essential. Oh, did they kill her? I'm telling you, my mind was doing acrobats. I don't know about yours, and I was there was definitely <laughs> you mean
0: like acrobatics?
1: Yes. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Well, I, I don't, I, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Okay.
0: The audience will laugh with me.
1: Okay, good, good. I'm glad they will. They can, they can laugh at my expense. I do not mind. So, so yeah, my mind was, was definitely uh, doing acrobatics about this. What, what, I don't know about you, but it, it was just like, wow. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, wipe a little bit of, of the dust out of my eyes and you know how that goes. Um, Right. And and, well,
0: it was also just sort it was kind of bone chilling. Like the Iron Man films have not been that serious before. And so when they did that, I thought to myself, holy cow, this really is like a Joss Whedon movie. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, And, you know, and, and, you know and that's
0: if, why I believed it could actually have happened. Yes, because he's behind the scenes pulling the
1: strings, you know, and you know that is exactly something he would have done. Like anybody who's familiar with Joss Whedon's work, he likes to kill a character every now and then and keep you on your toes. That's what made it a little more chilling. It's like, ooh, she might actually be gone. You believe it. When Joss Whedon is somewhere in the mix, you believe it might happen because it very well might. He actually killed Buffy before right now he did he did wind up because they got renewed he did have to bring her back <laughs> right. but he, he's you know he, he he killed angel i mean i'm sorry if i'm spoiling these tv shows for you but they're older tv shows
0: <laughs> i don't know that anybody cared <laughs> well, <never mind. laughs>
1: oh come on come on i can't believe you would say that
0: uh, i'll i'll spare you uh, i'm glad you appreciate that vampire show
1: yeah oh yeah absolutely you must i mean angel is the best show ever
0: Maybe it not. was the it was the vampire show of all vampire shows. Oh
1: yeah, this this is real vampires, not this fake sparkly stuff.
0: Mm. And anyway. not that uh, silly, gross, artificial stuff like True Blood. Yeah. Okay, so bringing it back to Iron Man. Speaking of blood, there was a lot of blood in this movie. But then no, I thought it was there actually wasn't. There was
1: a lot of a lot of uh, hints at blood, but I didn't actually see a lot of blood.
0: Well, yeah, like there was a lot of there was a lot of. Um, graphic insinuation of violence. Yes. <laughs> there was... It wasn't like PG-13, bodies. so like they can only do so much. Yeah. There was exploding bodies. There was a lot of needles. There was... Um, the guy in the hospital, John Favreau, all bloodied up, and he's yep. got a Happy big, big swollen face. His face is already swollen, but in a good way. And then they gave him more swelling for a while he was in the hospital. And then... At the end of the film, there was one major inconsistency that struck me. How, you know, we just saw Pepper Potts fall into an inferno and walk out and she has all of her clothes and she has all of her hair. Nothing is singed. (laughs) That's a good point. And not only is nothing singed, but it's like while she fell into the fire, it gave her a manicure, a pedicure, and did her hair, and it is swooshing around like it's from a salon commercial. <laughs> well, it was hilarious.
1: Well, extremists Sparkly. rebuilds extremists rebuilds people's clothes, don't you know? And, and gives them manicures. I, I mean, come I on, this, this would have been an entirely different film if she had come out of the fire naked.
0: <laughs> yeah, it would have. That, <laughs> that, would, that, have that would not have worked. Well, I didn't need to see that, but I was a little bothered by the fact that here she was turning totally yeah i want to say totally gangsta like uh something tina fave might say but i'm not going to
1: yeah you didn't i'm gonna pretend you didn't just say that yeah
0: yeah she was she she turned all gangsta on the bad guy and she goes all out you know all out and she dukes it out with him and she saves tony and that was so cool i wanted that for spider-man 3 Harry Osborn should have saved Peter Parker at the end of the film, well, but no. He, he it seems like it was forced upon that story did. that Parker had to be the ultimate hero because he's Spider-Man. Oh, whatever. Okay. But with Fine. that, bringing it back to home, it was just kind of weird, right? That Pepper Potts has gone through all kinds of crazy stuff and the whole boat has f- collapsed on top of her. And then she walks out and her hair doesn't have any dirt. No uh, no, um, Ex- what am I thinking of? No ash. There's no ash. Extremist,
1: man. It's the extremist. Come on, you yeah. suspend your disbelief. Like all it's the a comic dirt book.
0: and soil falls right out of the hair. It's it's crazy.
1: Man, I, I, I think we're. she will never have, have to shower again. I think we've jumped the shark here. We need to wrap this up. <laughs> the the power of comic books. All right. What, uh, what's your bottom line, Joe? What do you rate this film, and what do you have to say <laughs> in conclusion? Um.
0: Wow. I think it ended on a high note this this brings up another issue maybe we should discuss Oh yeah, we do need our- to
1: discuss the very end i a lot of people are complaining about this too like i just i just finished listening to this last film cast and hearing david chen complain and whine about the end of this film i loved it i thought it was great and it i thought felt it was a
0: little bit rushed but it was well done
1: no see i I, I didn't feel like it was rushed i felt like the movie I, I, when, when the battle was over i felt like okay time to wrap things up
0: and it and it wrapped up very well oh there was one other thing i want to talk about besides our bottom line but go ahead yeah yeah, you know, that's all the the, the the ending was was solid in spite of the fact that it was fast compared to the pace of the rest of the film.
1: Yeah, we're already we've already said we're we've we've sounded the spoiler alert. So I'll just say, yeah, I was I was I was pleased with the direction they went with Tony finally making the decision to actually have the operation to get that shrapnel removed. He the, the he the, the question that's asked basically by Tony all throughout this movie, you know, does the suit make the man? The answer is no, he, he is. He is Iron Man. And that that was great. It was a great way to end the film.
0: And yes, they actually, they closed a lot. They closed, they dealt with a lot. They, they just uh, wrapped up a lot of the loose ends for the entire series. They almost wrapped up too much, but obviously this was like uh, Gwyneth Paltrow has said in, in a public interview, and you know others are already saying from the studios, it seems likely this is the last Iron Man film.
1: I think it will be, at least with this cast and, and, and for this run, like for this universe of Marvel, I think this will be the last Iron Man film. Now, I think Iron Man will – I think they will pony up the money. I think that they will have Robert Downey Jr. back in The Avengers too. But I feel like any more, at least for now, is probably going to be uh, franchise fatigue. And, and so, yeah, I, I would be happy if this is the last Iron Man film for a few years. And I wouldn't even mind if in a few years they revisit, maybe give it, give it eight or ten years and then bring Robert well, Downey Jr. back.
0: Well, dude, I mean, think about, I mean, it may be a, a franchise fatigue for, you know, the filmmakers, but not for the audience. I mean, obviously, they, they've already racked in the dough. It's, it's evidence that if they wanted to make another Iron Man film... They probably could pull it off and bring in a lot more money.
1: No, I agree, but better better to end it now. Yeah, it, on, on, on a on high a, note, on its highest. Yeah, note. yeah. And I think it would get fatiguing for the audience as well at some point because if the filmmakers have fatigue, then the audience gets fatigued because the quality of the material won't be as good. So anyway, my bottom line is the film is great. It's probably as good as the first one, although I have a special love in my heart for the first one way better than the second one. Very fulfilling coming out of The Avengers, um, and I give it four of five stars. Thumbs up. Make sure you go see this thing.
0: And I want to say that I like TJ really enjoy this movie, but I don't like it quite as much as he does. I feel like the bad guys who uh, were just, you know, again, one of the weaknesses of the entire franchise bring the movie down a bit more than I would like. And uh, the performance for Robert Downey Jr. does everything that it can to make up for it. And so I'm very glad that the majority of the film ha- develops Tony so well and has, shows him prominently in so many ways and ways that we've never seen Iron Man before. So for me, I think it's a solid three and a half out of five stars.
1: You were dead to me.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> okay, I'm going to come back as like, you know, an angel or something, and then I'm going to kill you don't or something. Don't you wish huh?
1: you were a little more quick-witted than that, that you could have a comeback for that? But you have no <laughs> comeback for
0: me. Okay. <laughs> All right. I don't have a soundboard. Dang it. <laughs>
1: Well, next week uh you will not be here, Joe. You will not be joining me for the podcast next week because you're gonna be uh loafing around and abandoning me on this thing this vacation thing that you're doing.
0: <laughs> yes. I am leaving tomorrow morning. I I have to be up at five AM and on a flight at six thirty in Atlanta, and I'm going up to New Jersey and I'm gonna see where my wife grew up, and then I'm going to go up to, to Maine and get some lobster and I'm gonna have a great time.
1: Ew lobster
0: ew dude get out of the house
1: <laughs> well uh we will i will miss you next week you've left me dangling i had no choice <laughs> i i had to call upon my friend who I, I actually do a podcast with every week uh we record on mondays he releases it on wednesdays uh, uh in the queue is the show i do with him i'm bringing on alex arena but but make sure take i'm looking the, forward to that yeah take note of this though people um This is not going to be on Wednesday because Wednesday night I will be in the IMAX theater watching Star Trek Into Darkness, yo. So uh, I'm not going to be able to do the podcast on Wednesday night. I will be doing it on Tuesday with Alex at 7.30, not 6.30. So Tuesday, May the 14th at 7.30 p.m. Central Daylight Time, not 6.30. So make sure to take note of that change and be sure to tune in. We're going to be talking about The Great Gatsby. (laughs)
0: yeah i'm looking forward to the movie too i'll be seeing it as well so i can't wait to hear what y'all think and i'll give a rebuttal on the following episode
1: yeah and in two weeks we'll have anthony pascal back on from trekmovie.com to talk about the star trek movie with us so we've got an exciting couple of weeks coming up and i i think this show without you joe um i think it's gonna be better no i'm kidding we're gonna gonna feel your absence you're really
0: encouraging me to stick around <laughs> <laughs> no, I, we're we're gonna miss you, but we'll we'll muddle through it. So it, it, your alter ego is in real life, uh, TJ. You are my friend
1: yes exactly <laughs> so so if people um if they want to see your vacation photos and you know just different things like that uh, over the uh, actually week, I do
0: intend to get a little extra blogging time in while right. I'm on vacation well, I, I think really great while I write, and so whenever I have some time in the hotel or whatever i I'd like to write some more, and maybe some of that will even show up on MovieBite because I don't know. We'll just see what what happens, what flows for, through my fingers. But I, I do want to get on the internet. And uh, so, people, I won't be spending all my time fishing and stuff. If you want to find me, uh, my Twitter handle is Joseph Darnell. I'm also Joseph Darnell on Facebook. And also, you can go to Joseph Darnell or joe darnell.com, and that'll redirect you to my site, jivingjackalope.net. And that's where I like to share my own ramblings. And every now and then, I write for MovieBite dot com.
1: Yeah, and uh, you can find more of me if you want to keep up with me on the social mm-hmm. networks. Uh, I am TJ Draper Pro on Twitter. Uh, if you would rather follow me on Facebook, even though I prefer Twitter. Uh, if you want to follow me on Facebook, you can do that at facebook.com slash TJ Draper. Uh, and most of my writing these days is at moviebyte.com where I do, uh, writing, uh, giving my opinion on links and posting reviews and, and all that sorts of fun stuff. So moviebyte.com. And, uh, if you want to find the show notes for this episode, you can do so at moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 43. This is our 43rd episode. So. Find the show notes there. Be sure to leave us uh, a rating and a review in iTunes. Look up the Movie Byte podcast and uh, just type that into the search box, the Movie Byte podcast, or click the link from uh, the, the podcast page on MovieByte.com and leave us a review and a rating. We would really appreciate that. And uh, with that, that's it for us. We're out here. We'll talk, uh, I will talk to
0: you next week. <laughs> Later, guys.